All right, how's it going, everybody? Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt. You are listening to Sunday Gold's Florida State, a massive victory over the Florida Gators on Tuesday night in Tallahassee. And they really need that one, especially after the way they played in Atlanta uh, against Georgia Tech. And just the way things had been going for them the last couple of weeks, uh, the Seminoles come out 5 nothing against the Florida Gators. In this podcast, we'll, we'll break down the win over the Gators, uh, and then we'll also talk about some different themes from the Georgia Tech series and of course we'll preview uh, the Louisville series what a big week it is for the Knowles uh, getting to play the Gators and then the Louisville Cardinals which is always one of the biggest ACC series of the year no matter uh, what season it is Um, and uh, always a fun time in Tallahassee when the Cardinals and the Knowles meet up so that'll be Thursday Friday Saturday the Seminoles are going to take Easter Sunday off and uh, return next week but Brett you went to Atlanta. Uh, you were there for, for the games, and um, you were covering the Florida game as well. Uh, the, let's start with the Gator game, and then we'll track back into the uh, series against the Jackets. But the Knowles really needed a response. I think that was very clear. And to get it in the first inning the way that they did it, uh, that can change a season. Yeah, and I mean, that, that felt like the first time in a while this team was just able to control a game where they were just – ahead early and it really just felt like they were the team that controlled the outcome of that game from pitch one um you know you have you have to turn away from Carson with some shoulder stiffness but Jonah's able to step in and do his job and then obviously all the other guys do the same thing um but overall like you said I I think the main thing about that win was just finally having that first inning lead and finally you know, just being able to dictate the game, and and I think I thought Meat did a good job as well as uh, as dic- of dictating his moves, um, and I thought I felt like every single move came at the right time and um, was the right person, without a doubt. And, and look, Brett, man, uh, you said it yourself. Like this team hadn't had a chance to jump out on anybody, and you and I went to the press conference. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, we went last night, you know, after the game and talked to Meet, and uh, I think Connor Whitaker and Brock Mathis also joined. But Meet said, like, this team, you could see it mentally starting to wear on them the last couple of weeks. And um, I asked him, you know, can a sequence like the back-to-back home runs that Terrell and Mathis had, can that just change the entire atmosphere? of an entire clubhouse. And he said it absolutely can. One weekend can do that. One game can do that. Doing it against your rivals can really, I think, almost make that 10 times more euphoric, if that makes sense, that feeling. Uh, Just how, in your opinion, how big was Tuesday night in Tallahassee for Florida State? I mean, I thought it was huge. And um, like they said, they just, they needed a moment like that. They needed a game like that. Um, and for it to come against Florida, I think more than anything, it's just, it's just a morale booster. Um, you know, I think they were still sticking together and sticking with it, but you know, sometimes it looked like they weren't having fun out there. Just, you know, it was just a grind to go out every day and play, but last night they looked like they were playing loose. Um, I thought there were a couple moments that set the tone for that game. I thought Reese Alberts lead off 11 pitch walk and, you know, he kind of gives a stare to the dugout like, all right let's go like we need to start like it starts right here right now um and then of course Alex hits his home run you're like all right there we go but then when Brock hits his too I mean there was real live juice in that place and there was live juice in that dugout um I mean Brock stamp stomped on the on home plate so hard that his helmet went flying off and I mean they, they were just losing their minds and I don't think we've seen them do that in a long time um you know even when they won on Saturday at Georgia Tech you know, it wasn't a home game, but it still didn't feel like there was that much energy in the dugout. Um, not because these guys don't care, but just because of the way that things have been going for them. Um, and, you know, I thought Jordan's play to end the second inning, I think. And, you know, he gives a loud scream and kind of runs off the field like, this is who I am. Um, and he knows who that other dugout is, who's, who's in there. Um, so, yeah, I just thought last night was fun to watch overall. And you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this too, man, but last night against the Gators, I thought was the first time in weeks that team looked like they were having fun and having a good time playing baseball. There were more smiles. Guys were enjoying themselves. Uh, and I think, you know, it sounds stupid. Just go out there and have fun. But, like, sometimes you forget, like, why it is that you play 
a sport. You know, Brett, you played baseball. I played soccer. Um, you sometimes forget, like, in the heat of competition and the wear of the season that, like, you are doing this because it it literally is better than anything else that you could be doing with your time, right? Like, you could be doing anything, but you chose to play baseball. And so some of these guys, I think, had forgotten the almost that childlike joy of playing the game again. And that's why, you know, it, I saw the same things you did. Carry on kind of dancing off the field. Reese, after the walk, I've never seen anyone bat flip after a walk. But Reese threw the bat at his own dugout. I mean, it, it, in a good way. Um, again, it's the first time I've seen those guys, like, smile. And it was good to see. And it's again, it sounds stupid, Brett. It might sound, like, kind of silly, but... I don't know. I, I think atmosphere and clubhouse morale is really important, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that that makes a difference. Well, I think that was why the first inning felt so big to me was because, you, you know, when you have a control in the game like that so early, guys can play loose. They can go out there and not be tense. You're not in any pressure moments. You know, when you're playing from behind, you know, you really got to do everything perfect to, to, to ever come back. But when you're up five runs in the first inning, you can take some risk on the base pass. You can take some risk in the field, on the mound. Um, you can just simply attack hitters on the, on the mound. You know, uh, solo home run's not going to hurt you. So, you know, I think we saw last night what they can be when, you know, they're just going out there and doing their thing and playing with energy and, and having fun, like you said. It, uh, yeah, it was just – this team has been frustrating to watch this year, but last night it was really enjoyable – um, and man, if we could get that team every day, it would be really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, Brett, like w with my role with, you know, doing radio for, for Florida state women's basketball, like you get close with the players and, and you have these deeper conversations and there are times like when they're struggling, I would ask them like, are you enjoying being out there? Like, are you, like I said, are you having fun? And they're like, they would like cock their head like what? And I'd be like, did you forget like why you're here? Like this is. It sounds again like it sounds silly, but sometimes like you just have to kind of like break everything back down to it's just sports. It's it's a game like you get to play a game for uh, a college scholarship or if you make it to the pros like you make you play a game for a living, which is so much better than what anyone else has to do. And so, uh, you know, it was good to see FSU kind of I thought they lost that, you know, the baseball team for the last couple of weeks. It was like every mistake was exasperated or they felt like it was magnified like oh man I must suck at this or I must be reconsidering um why I exist like there was just some weird looking like faces during the losing streak and meat I think even said it in his press conference I mean he used baseball terms like you know the the ball in the outer half and you know he has these types of pitches and, and he essentially dialed it down to we were over we're overthinking every little thing about the game. And that could not just be just the players, Brett. It could be the coaching staff, too. I think last night can kind of lift the spirits for, for a lot of them. You know, I think we talked about it. Um, I think we talked about it before Stetson last week. Um, how we felt like if things just got simplified, that things may be able to start moving in the right direction. And I think Meat talked about that last night, what you're referring to. He said, you know, we're just paralysis by analysis. And we're thinking about this and that and trying to comprehend a bunch of different things when at the end of the day, hitting is hitting. Um, I think Meat's exact quote was, all right, it's a right-hander. He's got a fastball, curveball, and changeup. That's all we're giving you. Just go up there and hit and just battle. And I think that's what we saw last night. And, you know, I think the Ks have gone down a good bit the last few games. Um, and it just seems like guys are battling and still, you know, there haven't been a ton of production. I mean, they didn't get any runs after that first inning the other day, but at-bats have been more competitive. You can't deny that. Um, you know, and you, you're still – I think you're, you're a Logan Lacey and Jaime Ferrer catching fire away from being a decent offense again. Yeah, you know, all sports are mental, right? Like, every sport has a mental component to it. But I always think, like, baseball, uh, golf, tennis to a certain extent – like those, the, that group of sports mentally can really start to like avalanche on you if you don't, you know, if you're not in the right spot with your headspace. Um, baseball, there's just so many details to baseball that you're always thinking about um, and trying to pick certain things up, spin rates, and trying to find the seams. If one, you know, you hit the ball hard and it's hit at somebody, if that happens three or four times, you start to doubt like whether you're ever going to get a hit again. And so that's why, like I said last night, even we saw a couple of bloops, dude. Fall for Florida State. We saw Brett Roberts finally 
the ball had eyes. A seeing seeing eye single up the middle. Florida hit the crap out of a baseball a couple times, and they were hit right at center field. It felt like for the first time the baseball gods were like, okay, FSU, you get to catch a break too. Yeah, and I mean, Meat's been talking about it for a while, but I think it was really good to hear like a player's perspective last night. And, you know, I think Brock Mathis did a really good job. I mean, I thought listening to him, in the post-game presser yesterday was, I mean, it didn't take long to realize why FSU brought him here to be a leader in, in this clubhouse despite only coming in in January. Um, and, I mean, I think we knew that from some conversations with Brock just on the field before games. But seeing him in the press conference last night, I think if you're wondering how the players have felt the last couple of weeks, you might want to go watch that. If you want to know how good the culture is in that locker room, I think um, – and just how those guys come together right now. Um, but Brock was just talking about, you know, no matter how we're going at the plate, we're going to stay the same person and same, you know, player. Um, and we're not going to let that get us down too much. And we're just going to stay even. And he was doing the hand motions like crazy. Really, He's really getting into it last night. But um, it, it was really good to hear his perspective. I think, you know, that that's worth a listen. I think about a four-minute video. And then also it's just amazing how when things start going your way, it feels like, base running improves. Uh, I think we saw Brett Roberts, beautiful read, getting from first to third um, on a ball hit up the middle. We saw Jordan Carrion tag up from first to second. Uh, It just was all night, right? Like, defense was strong. They were hitting their cutoff mans correctly. Uh, Guys were taking the extra base when it was there. We even saw a a perfectly executed double steal that Florida State tried. Um, I think Lacey got thrown out at second, if I don't remember. But who came home and touched the plate? Uh, I believe Tibbs. Tibbs. So the Knowles stole a run that way. Last night was was almost perfect. uh, That's another thing that goes back to the first inning when you got a big lead is – you can be aggressive. You can make outs, um, and you're not going to get too hurt. And I know some people were upset that Jaime got thrown out at second on a dirt ball, but, I mean, Gushetti couldn't have made a better play right there. Um, just tip your caps in those moments. I mean, it takes a perfect pick and a perfect throw to throw him out. If it happens, so what? I mean, you still are up five runs. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see them overall in every phase kind of take advantage of that lead they had. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't add more runs on – but, you know, I felt like in the field and, and on the base pass, they were doing good things. And obviously on the mound, they were just pounding the zone. And that's exactly what you got to do when you're up like that. Yeah. So the story of this game was not the bats. You know, Florida State scored five runs in the first inning. And I think they may have had like a hit, maybe two. The rest of the, the, the final eight chances or seven chances they got to hit, um, they, didn't, they didn't hit in the bottom of the ninth. But uh, defense was good. Uh, carry on as a wizard uh, at shortstop. I mean, it's... It's truly like witchcraft. I, I don't understand how he does it. Um, but the story of this game was the pitching staff. You held a really, really, really good Florida lineup in check. I mean, it's a team that's top five in home runs. They have a great team batting average, a number of draft picks uh, all throughout that lineup. And I don't think you can start this conversation without a hat tip to Jonas Galaro, who gets a, a short notice call to the, to the starting uh, mound to get on the hill and, and start things off. Three and a third, one hit, no runs, two walks, five strikeouts, 62 pitches. Man, Jonah was masterful. Uh, I mean, it was, it, it was as good as we've seen him pitch. Um, he almost had his career high in innings. I know he's done that four a couple of different times. But you and I both talked about on the last podcast or two podcasts ago, Jonah would be a good option to start a game uh, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, because of his ability to, uh, to attack the zone. He's not going to give you a ton of free passes. Uh, he's not afraid of of anybody, um, and, and he really does have good stuff. And I thought he came in uh, in a game that Florida State needed to win and needed a good start, and I think he gave you that and more. Yeah, so I know a lot of people were thrown off by Jonah starting, and it was only his second career start at Florida State. But, you know, he started a few games in the summer in the Cape Cod League and, and had success doing that and um, was built up, uh, you know, three innings, four innings in the preseason as well. So, um, not something he hasn't done before, and I mean, did it in high school. It's been a while, but you know that's something he can do, and he's that's why he's so valuable is because he's just so versatile for you. You can throw him into that situation, and you just you just know what you're going to get. Um, it's a lot like throwing Connor Grady's on Sundays last year, where um, it may not always be the prettiest results, but you just you know what you're going to get. You know, I mean, you're going to get consistency, a good fielder, um, throw strikes. 
Um, and I mean, Jonah just kept Florida hitters off balance last night. It felt like it, it felt like he never doubled up on a pitch, and um, anytime he did, it felt like that that backdoor slider, which was basically unhittable last night. Uh, he just automatically had that to the back door at whenever he wanted, and um, man, they they couldn't figure it out. And um, yeah, it was just really good to see him throw the way he did, especially the way he's thrown now too two outings in a row. He was really good against Georgia Tech on that Saturday game uh, to shut things down and get Florida State the victory. And we'll talk more about Georgia Tech here in, in a little bit. Uh, Connor Whitaker, man, I know it was a guy you were high on uh, when he got here, um, but he continues, I think, to show composure, uh, to, to use a Mike Martin Sr. and 11-ism uh, poise. He goes out there, man, and, and it looks like the moment's never too big for him, and he attacks the zone and uh, against that lineup against the Gators. Uh, you've got to be really proud of the way the freshman performed. Yeah, I mean, he just keeps getting better and better every time he's out on the mound. Um, I mean, his ERA is under two now, and I think he's in. I think he's approaching twenty innings almost. Um, I mean, that changeup is nasty. He basically just had the sinker and changeup yesterday, and played those two pitches off each other really well, and was putting it wherever he wanted. And I mean, I don't. I don't think they really had any any hard contact off him. It didn't. It didn't seem like. Um, I mean, he was straight up in control for 3.2 innings. I think he he retired nine straight batters at one point. Um, they they had, they had no chance in his changeups at times. I mean, I that thing probably had to have at least like 15 inches of horizontal break, I would think. Um, and the sinker was really going, and it was the hardest he had been throwing this year. I think he was 89, 90, up reaching back for a 91 or a 92. Um, yeah, just really good to see. And man, that's a really good find by this staff, by the way. I mean. There were not many people talking about Connor Witter coming out of high school or, you know, on the travel ball scene or like that. But um, he's just really consistent. You know what you're going to get. Um, and, man, it's, he's really giving you a lot as a freshman. And then let's pair Crowell and Hare together because, again, both of those guys came in. And to me, um, it's probably the nastiest both have looked, I, I think, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hare has been good all season long, but Crowell's starting to tick upward again. Um, and trending uh, in the in a positive direction. Wyatt was, it was not fair. It was disgusting. It was that is what Wyatt can look like when he's on. I mean, ninety five, ninety six, painting the black on either side of the plate, dropping off a hammer slider, and and you know the mid eighties. Um, I mean, the the two strikeouts of the left handed hitters. I mean, they had no chance. They literally looked like. They had just picked up the bat for the first time in their college careers, and um, that's their leadoff hitter and their three-hitter. They're two of their best three-hitters. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh. If you could get that from Wyatt consistently, um, I think that's an X factor um, this season. Uh, he, he has the capability of doing that every time he's out there. He's just got to replicate it over and over again. And, man, Davis, it's you're just so confident when he's on the mound right now, I feel like. Um, I've never been this confident in Davis. Every time he steps in the mound, you just feel like it's going to be shut down. Um, he's done it over and over again for you this year, and he's done it in different ways. I mean, Georgia Tech, he threw three innings or something like that. Um, and he's really stepped up this year. Um, and it, it, it's, it's even better to consider when, I mean, he missed the first three weeks of the season with an arm injury after some you know, fatigue. So for him to be pitching this good right now, um, yeah, you, just, you had to tip your cap to him for that. Yeah, big win for Florida State. And, Brett, I know uh, it's been a couple of years since we've heard Hauser uh, that electric and, and kind of have those moments. And uh, Meat kind of talked about it, uh, saying to some of the freshmen, I told you this is what it can sound like when, when I recruited you. And Brock said he had chills. Uh, and Brock's been uh, to LS. I mean, he's played at LSU. He's played at Okie State. Um, he's been in some big rivalry games uh, in his career. And I think, you know, the fact that he came to Hauser and had that that moment – um, that first inning was was really special. The crowd was was really really good, and uh, it just shows you that Hauser can be that home field advantage that this team needs. I mean, we were in the press box, but even still, I mean, up there you could just feel that energy in the park last night, and you know, it's it's just fun to be in a ballpark when it's like that. Not even just Hauser. I mean, um, you know, we felt that at Ole Miss last year too, but that was the first time in a while that we really felt that. You know, at Hauser, I think probably since Texas Tech, maybe, um, you know, a couple, a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, and it was really good to see that too for a team that's been struggling. I think that helped them out a lot. I think for them to see that, it kind of it gave them some extra encouragement. 
All right. So we wanted to start with the positive and, and the uh, most recent game because uh, Florida State really needed it. And uh, beating your rival anytime is really a feather in your cap, and especially the way Florida had dominated Florida State uh, really for a couple years in a row. It's been nice to see Mike Martin Jr. kind of level things out a little bit. I think he's got a winning record now against the Gators. Uh, is it three and two? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's got a, he's above five hundred against the Gators, which is uh, four and zero against Miami. Right. So check that off uh, in, in in your boxes. Um, but we do have to talk about Georgia Tech because I do think weekends are uh, a better indication of what your team is right now. Uh, I have question marks, Brett, about the lineup as a whole. Uh, I know it's some guys are slumping, and uh, and we we talked about you know one weekend can change everything. So maybe against Louisville, this this team comes out, wins a series, and all of a sudden things are uh, the ship is righted, so to speak. But. I, I was a little disappointed in the way Florida State hit against uh, a Georgia Tech staff that I don't think is very good. I, I know, Brett, you and I might have some differing thoughts. They, they have some talented arms, but as a whole, as a Georgia Tech team that struggled to really shut down just about everybody all season long. And so for you to score, what, three runs in one game and zero in another, I, that's frustrating. I know it's on the road. Um, and we'll talk about the Georgia Tech offense, which is the complete opposite of their pitching staff. Um, it's it's incredible. But I really want to see this offense start to figure some things out. And, and maybe the moment against the Gators was uh, something for, for a guy like Alex Terrell, for Brett Roberts, who put some good swings on balls. But you and I chatted, like Logan Lacey and then Jaime Ferrer, like you're, you're going to really be uh, counting on them to turn their seasons around. Uh, I mean, Jaime's not playing poorly, but the, the slumps that they're in right now, I think we're going to be counting on those two guys to, to kind of figure things out because they were quiet against uh, a Georgia Tech for the most part. Yeah, for me, it's more so Logan that I think can really turn it around where it's felt like Logan's come up in a lot of big opportunities and that he's, you know, came through for you in the last two years. And right now he's just going through a rut where he, where he can. And, you know, I thought he looked like he was pressing a couple times. But, you know, I think his ABs are – he's sticking in there. And, you know, he's giving you good defense third base and – you always know you're going to get full effort from Logan. And, you know, I think at some point he gets that power stroke back. Um, he's just too good to to keep going like he, like he has been the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that will give a big boost to the lineup. But, yeah, I mean, this lineup is never going to be amazing or anything like that. I think we knew that coming into the season. Um, man, Sunday was just really, really frustrating. Um I don't know how they scored zero runs, really. I think they were – I like I, I don't know what the percentage likelihood would have been when you said, you know, they had seven hits and six walks and only struck out seven times. You'd think they score a lot more than zero runs. Um, but, man, they just flew out over and over again, and they couldn't get, a, you know, a timely hit. They couldn't get a quality A-B when they needed it. You know, a couple of times you had, you, got, you had a guy on third with less than two ounce and – you get a pop out, I think, once. You get a strike out another time. Um, it's, it's just this whole – this lineup can be decent when they get timely hits, and when they don't get timely hits, it's it's really poor. I think that's what it is. And, you know, Saturday they were good because they got those timely hits over and over again. Um, Sunday, once again, they couldn't come through at the end of the game with the timely hit, but I think that had more to do with Maxwell than it did have to do with FSU's hitters. I mean – you're not going to face many guys in the country that are throwing 101, and he was actually throwing strikes. Uh, that's really tough. But overall, I mean, it, it really was literally a, a roller coaster of a weekend. It was very down and up. Roberts did have five hits on the weekend. Are we starting to see, you know, he had a big hit against Florida as well. Are we starting to see Brett Roberts turn the corner here? Yeah, Brett's just too good to, to not hit. He's The hands are too good. Um you know, I think it was good to see him get back to the pull side. I know they want most of the stuff to go to the opposite field, but I think he had gotten a little bit too into that, you know, and not where his strength is, is, is to the pull side. And, you know, I think all three hits on on Sunday um, were to the pull side, two doubles down the line. Um, you know, I also think it was good for him to get up to his hometown in Atlanta. Um, you know, I think Tibbs had a good weekend up there as well, back in his hometown. Um, so it was good to see those guys get some get some good swings in there and, you know, hopefully propel them forward. Um, but, yeah, with Brett, he's just – he's, he's going to hit. He, he's, I've been saying this for a while. 
I know he was in a long rut, but he's just too good. He's 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 too good at the plate to not hit. He, he's hit everywhere he's been. Um, like you said, that was definitely one positive for me coming out of the weekend. Yeah, and I mean Saturday's game was big for Florida State to to respond and win nine to six. You know Jaime had a big hit there in the in the ninth. Uh, Terrell, uh, the big momentum boost. Uh, was it a grand slam? Uh, no, three-run home run. Yeah, three-run home run um, that he obliterated <laughs> to right field. I can only imagine, Brett, what it looked like at the park uh, being there because the camera lost it on TV um, halfway up. But you kind of knew from the trajectory of the way the ball leaves the bat from the TV angle that it was really gone. Um, James, Tib- James Tibbs' little home run action, that was nice. Uh, that Saturday game gave me some hope. I thought, hey, you know, if they go into Sunday and they win the series, um, maybe they can turn their season around uh, right here in Atlanta. But uh, lineup as a whole, hit or miss, Tyler Martin uh, might be a little dinged up. We're not sure yet. Um, I know he was held out of the lineup uh, against the uh, the Gators. Um, maybe precautionary reasons to make sure that, he, you know, he's sturdy and, and ready to play for the rest of the season. But um, Atlanta, I mean – Again, offensively before, because I want to talk about the pitching staff too. Other than that Saturday game, I just thought Florida State really – I thought they underperformed uh, on the weekend. Because, again, that Georgia Tech pitching staff is not good. It's just not. And, you know, when I look up and I see there's teams that have put up 20 on them, a lot of teens, they just lost to Georgia State, I think, uh, in the middle of the week. And I want to say Georgia State put up double-digit runs on Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly. Uh, it just felt like we were bailing them out uh, quite too many times um, over the weekend. But um, the pitching staff, I thought there was a mix of good and bad there uh, over the weekend. Uh, but really none of the three starting pitchers gave you the performances I think that they're they're capable of or that they've showed you earlier this year. Uh, I, I think this weekend for the pitching for the starting pitchers was more so about Georgia Tech and Less so about Florida State. Um, I mean, that lineup to me is the best lineup in college baseball. Uh, there's no points facing them where you feel like you're going to just have ounce. Um, I think the top three hitters in their lineup, one through three, are the top three hitters in, in the conference. Chandler Simpson does not get out. Um, he's still hitting over 500 this year, and he every time he gets on base, he steals or makes something happen. Uh, Kevin Prada's to me, is the best pure bat in college baseball this year, at least to have draft-eligible guys. Um, and he showed off his power this weekend. That's a first-round bat. Andrew Jenkins is almost just as good as him with the bat. I mean, he has five hits in that first game. He's hitting, he's hitting nearly 500 in conference play. And, man, is he a Florida State killer. The last two years, he's just killed FSU's pitching staff. Um, you know, Parker, I think, just didn't have his stuff. And... When you don't have your stuff against a team like this, they're going to take advantage. They took advantage of basically every pitch he left up in the zone. Um, You know, I also think Parker was a couple pitches from having not so rough of a stat line. Um, You know, at the end there, he gives up a couple bloopers that scores his last two runs. Um, His curveball got hit a lot. Didn't really have it down in the zone at all. The fastball was down a couple ticks. I think that was a little bit due to weather. Um... But, you know, Parker still competed. Uh, it was good to see him still compete and try to battle. He just didn't have it. And you just don't have it some days. Um, you know, I've spoken to Parker a couple of times, and he's just said, you know, I went from my best start ever to my worst start ever in two weeks. And, you know, it is what it is. That's baseball. Um, so, yeah, you know, he just – you leave a couple pitches up against them in that yard, um, you know, you're going to have a tough outing. It was his shortest outing since his first career start. Um I don't really – for me, it's completely scratched off the record. I don't even remember it. Um, that's not who Parker Messick is, and you know what you're going to get from him this upcoming week. Uh, for Bryce, I thought his breaking balls were much sharper this week. I thought he actually looked better. Uh, I thought he took a step forward just with the stuff flies. Once again, that's just a really good lineup. He leaves a couple pitches up. I mean, Parada's home run off him was a pop-up off the bat, and just the wind was blowing out that way, and – it leaves the yard. Um, that is what it is. Um, you know, you only walked two guys. His command was better from the last couple of weeks. His fastball was better, um, up a couple miles per hour too. Um, so yeah, I don't. I'm still not worried about Bryce. Um, you know, Ross third straight, shaky outing. Um, but 
You know, I still think Ross is the guy for now. Um, I don't think they're going to take him out of there yet. Give him a, another start against a team that's not Georgia Tech. I mean, I didn't think Ross was awful against Georgia Tech. Compton just hits a pitch, an 0-2 fastball that's 93, you know, up above the belt. Um, for me, I tip my cap there. It is what it is. They clear the bases on that, and then Ross's day is done. Um, <laughs> Ross's, Ross Dunn's day is done. But, you know, it's just, for me, Ross has just got to limit the walks. He's got to stop the walks. If he can do that, he's going to be better. He, um, you know, he's still got the stuff. I mean, he was really good in the first two innings against GT. When you make those kids look like he did, um, it tells you the stuff he has. I mean, he made Parada look like he's never swung a baseball bat before in the first inning. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm just i not putting too much stock into this weekend for the starting pitchers. Yeah, the talent's there for Ross Dunn. I think that's evident. And it's just uh, whenever you look at a stat line, and I've said this before, and there are – more runs given up than hits, it means you're not being hit hard. Um, you're usually probably giving up free passes, and that one base hit that you give up ends up scoring all those runs. And Ross can't keep going out there and walking three, walking four, hitting somebody in the back. Um, because, again, when you play better lineups, right, like when you face better lineups, they will make you pay. And Georgia Tech did, no doubt about it. Um, but I thought Jackson Baumeister came in and, and gave you some some good innings again. And, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what Florida State does there on Sundays because you do have a couple options. I actually thought the bullpen as a whole was a positive for me this weekend. Um, specifically the, the guys, the arms that, you know, you're going to use a lot. I mean, Jackson did give up a run, but, you know, I thought he was very good. I thought the stuff was very good again. The run they scored, scored on a blooper to right, and Simpson scores from first. Um, yeah, his fastball is just, I mean, he's got it where he wants it now. Uh, and he just keeps getting better. Like we said last time we were on here, I think, um, you just feel confident when Jackson's out there now. And, um, I mean, Wyatt gave up two unearned runs. I mean, his own error came from force one of the runs. Um, I mean, he, I thought he looked good. I thought his stuff looked good. Um, obviously you don't want to make an error, but you know, I don't know how many times that's going to happen. Davis gave up two runs in 2.2 innings, but I don't think a ball left the infield. I think they had two infield hits. You know, there's a wild pitch, uh, a sack fly or a bunt or something. Uh, he flips the ball too high on the bunt. Um, but, I mean, pitching-wise, I mean, he – I mean, that Georgia Tech lineup that's really good really didn't hit anything hard off of him. And then Jonah gives you 1.2 scoreless and comes into a huge situation and gets you out of it. Um, you know, that's huge ounce right there. You're probably getting swept if Jonah doesn't get you two outs in that eighth inning right there. I mean, those might be the two biggest outs of this year so far just because of the moment they came in and how bad you needed that win to not get swept. You know, a series loss at Georgia Tech isn't good. It's definitely not a positive, but it's not getting swept. I mean, you, you to get at least get one there, um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but also Connor Whitaker was good, only gave up one run on, you know, hanging breaking ball to Parada. Dylan Simmons keeps looking better every outing. Um, even Dylan Jacobs worked a one, two, three inning um, on that Friday game, you know, in a, in a four run game. So, you know, that's good to see from those two young kids. And um, yeah, I still, I'm not, I still like this bullpen, to be honest, just the four or five core arms they have, I think can get anybody out when they're on. Yeah. And I think, you know, this team just at times, doesn't play with a lot of confidence, and I think that was, you know, we're, we're coming back, you know, dialing it back here now um, because, of course, the Florida game happened, and then that's big, and it could be a spark plug for the rest of the season. But I think at times I look up, and I don't want to say this team doesn't fight because I do believe that they fight. They go out there, and they, they do give 110%. There's just at times it just seems like they're waiting for something bad to happen, and it's like that can make you hesitant in certain moments, and you're almost – did Meat say it, I think? He said, if you're looking for failure, failure will find you. Or I, I heard it from, from somewhere this weekend. I don't know if it was at, at, at the baseball press conference or, or someone else, uh, one of the other coaches that, that I was listening to. But they said, if, if you look for failure, failure will find you. And I, I know that was such a, an interesting comment to me. And I, I hope that this team with that Florida game is able to kind of lift some of the burdens on their back. Brad, if they beat Louisville twice this weekend – I I think you're going to start to see a little run here because the, the, that's how baseball works, right? Like you start 
Um, and, and some people start hot, some people start cold, and then it goes in peaks and valleys. And at the end of the year, it's what team is on its peak and what team is at its valley uh, because we've seen it, right? Like we saw Arkansas out of peak all season long last year, didn't get to Omaha. We've seen Florida State teams in a valley all season long, it feels like, and then they get to Omaha. And we've seen a Virginia baseball team look like they didn't know how to play the sport and then won a national title um, back in the mid-2000s. So this sport will humble you. I think when you, when you think you have it figured out, baseball reminds you that you don't know jack squat about it. And so... Um, Brad, I'm hoping though this weekend against Louisville is a big one. Yeah, my my one big thing, other thing from this weekend is just the Sundays, like the late egg, like the, the eggs they're laying on Sundays is just it's starting to get really out of hand, kind of ridiculous. We don't play on Sunday this weekend. I mean, thank God. I mean, you should thank God. <laughs> it's Easter Sunday. <laughs> oh, I hope well, some people laughed because that is an awful joke. But I mean. <laughs> It just feels like Sunday after Sunday that, like, there's just, like, no chance of winning. Like, I don't know what it is. Um, it's just, some like, something's got to change. Like, I don't know. Do you go with, like, I don't know. Do you go with an opener and then go to Rouston? Or do you, do you, you know, play a bunch of guys that haven't played all week on Sundays? Is it, is it tired legs? Is it something in a routine? I, I don't know. But, like, these Sundays are just, it's... They're, they've been pathetic recently, and I mean it's been the whole last two years. I think they're eleven and thirteen in the last two years, and four and six this year on Sundays. And all the losses—I mean, some of the losses recently, especially—have just felt completely non-competitive. I mean, you were down five runs in the Notre Dame game too on Sun on the last Sunday. Um, yeah, you just you got to start battling, especially in rubber match games. I mean, you got to battle. Focus to you, like you think that's just lack of consistency in, in the way that they're approaching the game mentally? Because I, I don't think it's a lack of depth or, or roster ability, if that mm. makes sense. I don't think it's like, okay, well, you know, like some mid-majors, you say they better get you in game one or two because they really don't have a lot left mm. for a game three. I don't think that's no. the case with Florida I don't State. think it's depth either. It's just, it's just weird. It's just like there's nothing... Nothing has gone right on Sundays the last two years, basically. It's just what it feels like. It feels like we should be going to church all day instead of playing baseball on Sundays. Yeah. It's it's just been rough. It's Something's got to change with it because there's going to come more Sunday rubber matches this year. Um, I mean, the only real good Sunday I can remember the last couple of years is, is that Sunday against Wake Forest this year. Other than that, it just feels like everything's been, been rough. Maybe Miami – into a pulp, I remember one well, year. Yeah. Was that last? Miami, that was yeah. last year. My, I mean, Miami was just. That they was were, one of the they greatest weeks. Ahead, of they were beating baseball. a dead horse at that point. Uh, that was one of the greatest weeks for Florida State baseball, though. Sweep Miami, beat Florida, and I think what all four games were blowouts. I think yeah. I mean, yeah, the, none of them well, were competitive except for the one in the ACC tournament. Oh, you mean I'm the talking LAF, that week UF one? Yeah, I think. Yeah. What was it? They outscored the three teams. I think. I think 46 to 5 on the week or something like that. Yeah, that was one of the greatest weeks I've ever seen in Florida State sports. Um, all right, let's talk about Louisville. So the Cardinals come in, and they started the season pretty cold. Uh, I think they lost a couple games down in a tournament in early, uh, was it early March? Early, what, late February, early March. They went to Port Charlotte or something like that, or Tampa, and they lost to USF, and I think they lost to UConn, too, and, and something like that. And uh, I know a lot of people were down on the Cardinals to start the year, but then they turn it around. And to a point now where they're 24-8 and eight and 9-3 and three in the ACC, they're a top-10 team. Uh, C- Coach McDonald does a great job every single year. They've established themselves as one of the powers in this conference probably over the last decade. And Louisville, each and every year, I think, has a chance to make Omaha. Last year was kind of weird to see them play the way that they did. They, they didn't have the same punch, I don't think, um, in the lineup that they're used to having. They had some nice pieces, uh, but then their pitching staff really let them down. And usually you're used to seeing, right, like with Louisville, you've got at least one unbelievable starter on a Friday and then some pretty good relief arms and, and two decent other weekend arms and then a, a lineup that really can, can do a lot of damage. And I think this version of Louisville, Brett, has some pieces. The lineup's back to being one of the best in the country, uh, but the the rotation is is just okay. 
Uh, and the bullpen has been really, really bad for, for Louisville this year. So I think they're a vulnerable team coming into Tallahassee this weekend and a good opportunity for Florida State uh, to win a top-10 series. Yeah, Louisville was a really weird team last year. Um, you know, when FSU went up to play them, they were still one of the best teams in the country. I think they were still ranked top five, and you know their lineup was one of the best in the country at the time with Benellis and all those guys in the middle of the lineup. Um, but, man, they just crashed and burned this set. Second half of the year, um, you know, I think they just totally lost basically any sort of pitching they had, and um, you know, the bats starting they weren't able to carry them anymore, and they don't even make you know the NCAA tournament. Um, I think they were pretty quick out in the uh, ACC tournament as well. Um, so yeah, it was weird last year to watch them be like that, especially with McDonald there. I mean, he's always had a good team. Um, so, yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew – they didn't ex- know what to expect from them this year coming in. Um, and obviously they've been off to a good start, but I still think it's a team that's very very volatile, I guess you would say. It just You don't really know exactly what you're going to get with them coming in. Uh, but they could easily come in here and, you know, really heat up with the bats and just all of a sudden roll up on you. Yeah, I mean, they swept Notre Dame earlier this season when the Irish were ranked, I think, number one by some polls. Um, that was a big one. They're not a great road team right now. I think they've struggled on the road. They lost two out of three at Pitt a couple weeks ago. And uh, really against North Carolina, they did win a series, but both of their wins came in uh, extra innings. And they had a really weird weekend against the Tar Heels. I think it was they had a bomb threat at some point uh, in the stadium uh, in Louisville. And so they had to, like, evacuate the entire place and then come back and play it. Um, but, yeah, they, they, won't, they lost – 13 to 9 on that Friday game. And then they won 9 to 8 in 10 innings on Saturday. In the third game, they had to score four runs, I believe, or something like that, in the bottom of the ninth just to tie it. And then that game goes to 14 innings before Louisville gets the win on a walk off. And so the, the Cardinals very easily could have back to back series losses uh, on their resume. But their offense is so dangerous. And, you know, it's going to be a big task, I think, for Florida State's trio of Messick, Hubbard, and Ross Dunn to come out and pitch well. And I think they have to set the tone because I do think this FSU offense has a chance against uh, some of these pitchers that Louisville is going to throw at you uh, to, to maybe do some damage at home at Hauser this weekend. Yeah, and Louisville is kind of a mixture of some guys that can really, you know, hit the, you know, impact the ball and impact the game with one swing. And they also have a bunch of kind of annoying hitters where it just feels like it's so hard to ever put them away and they just kind of you know are always just there and you know it's kind of like Tyler Martin the last few years um you know Christian Napchuk comes to mind I believe he's there still leading off for them and um you know I remember watching him in the Cape for Bourne and we played a lot and every game and he was just it was just annoying how much he did how much he got on base also a really good shortstop um you know he's hitting 356 right now with 14 stolen bases um, Levi Usher has is 21 for 21 on stolen bases this year. Um, you know, he was a guy a couple of years ago that was really highly regarded, um, really had a down year last year. Um, you know, part of their struggle as a team, uh, but, you know, he's, he's been a lot better this year hitting 276 with, with nine doubles, three triples and four homers. Um, Ben Metzinger and Cameron Masterman are two guys that have been there a while and just always hit, uh, Masterman's hitting three. 44 with 12 bombs, but Metzinger's in 336 with 13 bombs. Um, Dalton rushing maybe their best bat, you know, um, talent-wise in the lineup. He's hitting 299 with 11 homers. Um, ben Bianco, Mike Bianco's son, the LSU transfer, also has eight homers. Um, so overall, it's just up and down, one through nine. Um, really, really good lineup, and they're going to make you work. Um, they don't strike out too, too much, and they'll definitely draw their walks. Um, so it's going to be another tough task this weekend, I think, for for the rotation. Uh, who are the Who are the main guys? Do you think in that lineup that that scare you the most? Um, would, you, would you go Metzinger, Matt, uh, Masterman? For me, M- Masterman and Metzinger, because I believe they're both right handed bats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, Napchick. I think it doesn't matter who he's facing; he's going to annoy the heck out of you. And Jack Payton's all sitting three eighty one. Um, but you know, rushing and Napchick are both lefties. Um, so, you know, I think Metzinger and Masterman probably with that right-handed power 
um, against three lefty arms. Like you said, I mean, Dalton rushing, you saw him in the Cape, I think, this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, 11 home runs on the year. They have three guys with double-digit home runs. Louisville can punish you. They don't strike out a ton. They put the bat on the ball. On-base percentage as a team of over uh, 430. I think it's 434. Uh, man, that lineup's impressive. They really hit. And you hope, you know, you just kind of hope that, that the three guys, we've always said it, good pitching beats good hitting. And you need all three of your guys this weekend to, to kind of live up to that and, and have good pitching from the starting spots. Um, don't, don't you just feel like Dunn and Hubbard are both due for one of those dominant starts? You just feel like yeah. they're due for a weekend when they really click on all cylinders. Um, and you also got to feel like after last week that Parker's going to come in and like Meat said it, probably be the more focused than he's ever been. Not that it's ever a problem with Parker, but, I mean, I think we're going to see an ultra-competitive, ultra-focused Parker Massacre on Friday night and not or Thursday night, um, and I'm pretty excited to see that. I'm so excited to see how he bounces back from last weekend. Yeah, I'm trying to remember last year I thought Parker pitched really well against them up there, if I remember correctly. I'm pulling it up right now, trying to buy some time. Oh, yeah, five and two-thirds, only gave up two earned runs, a walk and six strikeouts. Uh, and then I thought Bryce as well. He had some walk issues. I think you and I watched that game together. Well, um, they, Hub had some walk issues but really battled, and I thought he gave, he went into the fifth inning against them, and I think Florida State ended up winning that game. Well, Bryce got himself. He argued his way into facing um, Benellis, and then Benellis hit a grand slam okay. off of him when I he was pitching now. really well. And then, First three or four innings, he was dominant. Yeah. And then Benellis sends a fastball about 800 feet over a train track. Um, and that completely changes his stat line. That was the weekend Benellis remembered how to play baseball. Yeah, and then Benellis... Wasn't he awful Benellis for a while? Hit probably the longest home run I've ever seen in person at <laughs> ACC tournament. Yeah. I mean, that he hit it off good. the roof of a building across the street. That kid was good. All right, so on the mound, let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, Friday night, so I say Friday night. This series is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, because of Easter Sunday and um, teams want to take off, which is awesome that, that they're doing that. Um, Thursday night, you got uh, Messick going for Florida State to be announced for Louisville. And some of that could be that, you know, Tate, who they've been going with, and I might butcher his name here because Tate, Tate Koner, maybe? Tate Keener? I don't know. He's been their, their first guy that they've run out there uh, most weekends and 484 ERA, and he has not pitched well in his last couple outings. But it could also be they don't want to start anybody on short rest. And so the, you could see Tate run out there. I believe Tate is a righty. I have to double-check that. Um, I need to check the roster on Tate. But, uh, I think he's a lefty. Yeah, is he, do a they lefty. have three lefties? No, they have Poland's a righty, and they have two lefties that they had been starting all year. Um, but who knows what they're going to do as an opener for Thursday night. It could be one of the other guys. Um, they also had a midweek game, so they did have to run an arm out there against Cincinnati on Tuesday. But um, So we really don't know who they're going to go with on Thursday. But Friday, they've locked in Jared Poland, who a uh, two-way player that came in for them. And um, he started to focus on pitching only after hitting for a couple seasons. And he's about... He can get up into about 92, 93 with his fastball, but he'll probably live about 89 to 91 and good breaking ball and a changeup. And this season he's had really good numbers, 284 ERA. Um, he's striking guys out. Um, and he's made, you know, seven starts with 45 strikeouts and 38 innings and, and only 11 walks, which means he doesn't give up a lot of free passes and uh, he's done a nice job for them. And then the third game on Saturday, they are going with, I believe, Riley Phillips, if I, if I am getting that one correct. That's a six foot four lefty, about 87 to 90 with the fastball, does have a breaking ball, but at 6'4", his calling card is his changeup, and so that could create some deception from the height and from the angle that he's coming at. So um, he's been okay, 360 ERA. 40 innings, 10 walks, 43 strikeouts, but batters are hitting 280 off of him, 42 base hits in those 40 innings. So seems like he's a little hittable, uh, but does also miss some bats here and there. The bullpen has been really bad for Louisville. Um, Other than their closer, Michael Prosecchi, who won 42 ERA in 19 innings, uh, he has six saves. Uh, There haven't been – there's just not a lot of arms there that he's been able to trust to go out and get the job done. A lot of guys with ERAs in the fours and the fives, and 
Um, the key could be good starts from your, you know, from your opening guys, from a Parker Messick, from a Bryce Hubbard, from a Ross Dunn. And then if you're close, you know, you keep the game close and maybe in those middle innings to late innings, you find some opportunities against some of these arms. But uh, Brett, team ERA of 502 for Louisville. And that's just not very characteristic of a Dan McDonald team. But I think it makes me feel like you got a shot this weekend with those bats. Yeah, they just don't have many guys that blow you away. They just don't – you don't really – there's not many guys where you feel like there's not a great chance you're going to, you know – get a hit off this guy or, oh, my gosh, that's 95, 96, 97. Um, I don't think we're going to see a ton of that with with Louisville like we did with Notre Dame, especially in the pen, obviously. Um, but, you know, Louisville, I think they are going to make you – they're going to make you beat them with this. I mean, I don't, they're not going to walk you a ton. Um, they won't strike you out too, too much. Um, I mean, you're going to have to hit the ball this weekend, I think. Uh, Prosecchi is the one guy you definitely don't want to get to. You don't want to get into situations where they have the lead and Prosecchi's in there protecting that. Um, he is really good. He's that one guy. He's the one guy on the staff for me that is really eye-opening when you see him every time on the mound. Um, you know, I haven't seen all these guys or anything like that. But I know just from the names, um, there's not too many guys that are super put-away pitchers or anything like that. Um, I just think the key for FSU will be attacking the right pitches in the zone and, and being aggressive early and often because, you know, I don't think getting too deep into counts is going to do much for you against Louisville because, you know, they're going to throw strikes. Um, so interested to see how the off- offense approaches these pitchers this weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I just hope they don't – hope they can stay away from Prosecchi as much as possible. You saw Prosecchi in the Cape this summer? Yeah. I think he was there. He was pretty good. Yeah, he was, he's real good. And there, was a, there was a time, I think – in the fall, Louisville thought he might move his well, way into the rotation. They settled on him as being kind of the back end guy, but fastball that can get up into ninety six, ninety seven. Well, I believe he was he started for them last year and didn't do well, or he got hurt last year. I can't remember exactly. I think it might have been that he got hurt early on, but he's always been the guy for them that everyone's thought probably has the most talent and that could be a draft guy. Um, and he's starting to put that together this year as their closer. Seems like they they use him the way that, you know, Carson Montgomery might be beneficial to this this roster, a guy because he's got 19 innings and in, I think it's like 10 12, appearances, 12 appearances, 12 appearances. So like, he's not just going out there for an inning at a time. He can he can run it out there two innings if he needs to. And yeah, um, you, that, like you said, you don't want to get to him with Louisville having the lead. Yeah, the one thing with him is is command time to time. But I mean, guys are only hitting 131 off of him. Um, so yeah, that tells that tells you. About as much as you need to know about the stuff. All right. Well, Brett, they defend pretty well. 972. Uh, it's, a, it's a decent defense. It's not perfect by any means. They might give you a freebie here and there. They dropped a fly ball against Carolina uh, this past weekend that allowed mm-hmm. North Carolina to score two runs in the ninth to tie that game. Um, so they can be vulnerable. Uh, they do run a lot, as you said, on the base paths. And um, Florida State's going to have to play well, man. I think this weekend's about Florida State. It's not really about Louisville. It's a good quality opponent. I don't think Louisville's top 10 quality, to be honest with you, if you want my full thoughts on if I think they're one of the best 10 teams in the country. I think they're a borderline regional host type of team. It's a good team. But a team, I think, in Tallahassee, if you are going to get this season back on track and to kind of achieve the goals that you have in your regular season of pushing for a regional host spot, of pushing back in the ACC Atlantic division, I think it starts this weekend. And I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, Brett, but I feel really good about FSU this weekend taking two. I I, I feel like we could say this is kind of a must win series. Like, it, it, you've got to win this, this series to f- really get back on track. Obviously, I think Tuesday gives you a good first step. And I think it mostly it just gives you some mojo again and gives you some confidence. Um, but yeah, man, they they've got to win a series, especially against you know a team that's top ten. But you know they can be vulnerable from time to time at your home park. Um, I think this is the weekend where you can turn it around. You kind of have that opportunity that I think the 2019 team had against Clemson, ended up sweeping Clemson, and then I think we all know the rest of the story. Yeah, and from my experiences covering and calling college baseball, things happen in waves, like in this sport. The good happens in waves, and the bad happens in waves. I'm hoping the bad wave 
kind of just came over, and uh, this is, like you said, the start of something good for Florida State over the next few weeks. It's manageable, y'all. I'm looking at the schedule. You win two out of three here, and you go to Clemson next weekend, and Clemson ain't that good. I mean, Clemson is really, really beatable to a point where Monty Lee's job is on the line. Um, that's a tough place to play, but they ain't special. They ain't got much. Um, and then you get TCU at home for a couple games, and then uh, we start talking about some big-time series, some really, really big series um, the next couple weeks after that. But it's got to start now. Uh, we're in mid-April, uh, approaching mid-April. And, uh, man, Hauser, if you guys are in Tallahassee this weekend, those of you listening or those of you making your way up, uh, I can't encourage you enough to make it out to Hauser. Tuesday night was, oh, man, it was awesome. Absolutely electric. That first inning gave me chills, and it just shows you what Hauser can be uh, when it's getting good and, and it's going at that level. But you got Thursday night, Brett, the Times, I believe. I'm not on the call this weekend. I believe uh, Sean Davison will have those calls. 7-7, um, seven, seven, is it two 7 o'clock? Yeah, I believe so because both the you know, weekday games on Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday. 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock? Saturday. 1 o'clock. Okay. All on extra. Yep, that's that's strange that none of the games are on linear. Um, but as I've noticed in the past with ACC Network, you never know when that call comes in to, to Seminole Productions and one of these games gets bumped up uh, just last second. So uh, as it stands now, ACC Network Extra, Brett and I will be there all weekend. And uh, Brett, any thoughts you want to give on this team, this season right now, this weekend, um, before we sign off and, and chat next week? No, I got no extra thoughts on, on this team. I think we covered it pretty well, but I mean, I, just, I mean, can we comment on Tennessee getting beat by Tennessee Tech with the Wood Bats after? I just, it's baseball. I think they were due for a bad game, but you know, after all, they talked about how they could do it with Wood Bats too, and then for them to go and kind of lay an egg and for a kid to hit a Tennessee Tech kid to hit a 101 mile per hour fastball off Ben Joyce for a home run being the winning run. Um, that's a pretty fun story. I just thought we should mention that. That was pretty epic, wasn't it? Uh, Notre Dame, by the way, playing really well. Uh, they're on a major winning streak. The Miami Hurricanes, they're for real, man. I, there's just something about them that, that works, and that's the number two team in the country. And um, if they're not all they're cracked up to be, I hope they stay at number two for a little bit longer so Florida State uh, can knock them off their perch there uh, when they visit Florida State. I think, what is it? Uh, First weekend of May? Um, it's like May yes, something. It's, I believe it's like April. Yeah, it's after Clemson weekend. because so that's like graduation. last weekend of, of April, gra- first weekend of May. Uh, shout out Old Dominion, 9-2 to win over Virginia. The Cavaliers have lost four in a row, which goes to show you that... Almost like we said, we probably didn't think they were as good as Dude, they were. It's just these things go in waves. You start playing well, and then you don't play well. They got swept by Miami. Their fans are probably melting down on... And saying this guy sucks and that guy sucks and I don't know about this coach and that's how it goes. They've had completely that's how it goes, man. They've had completely opposite starts the last two years. Last year they started awful and then man they caught fire and then this year they started on fire and now they're cooling off. What's gotten into Duke, dude? I don't know. I don't they, know what's happening were, there for Pollard. They were Pollard's a really like I really think Pollard is a really, really good coach. But I have no I, – I think they have a good roster, too. I don't know what is going on there. And speaking of coaches, by the way, um, James Ramsey is going to be a superstar mm-hmm. in the coaching industry. Without a doubt. Um, He's a good dude as well. I mean, at times it felt like Georgia Tech knew exactly what was coming. Florida State pitchers all weekend. And I think that's a lot of scouting reports and stuff like that, and that's his job. And, man, he does a really good job for them recruiting, too. Um, and I'm not saying he should – he should be on FSU staff right now or they f- should fire anyone or anything for him. But, yeah, I just think it's it's really cool to watch a, a former Seminole be really good and um, at his job. And I think he just – he's so good because it looks like he play, he coaches with the same passion he played with. I think that was what made him such a good player too. Like you said, he's he's got a chance to be a, a rock star in this industry for, for many, many years to come. All right, Brett. Well, we're on Apple Pods. We're on Spotify. I want to thank those of you who have been listening and I want to shout out uh, a couple of you have also donated as monthly supporters to us. And, you know, we don't ask for your money, but, man, that we do appreciate it. Seeing that makes us smile and uh, means that you guys really like the podcast. And um, we do appreciate, again, the support. 
Uh, and please uh, share it with your friends. That's the best way you can help us out. Give us five stars if you have it on Apple. Uh, leave us a review. Send us some emails if you have questions. Uh, you can tweet it at any of us this week and uh, just message us, and then we'll do our best uh, on the next episode to get to some of your fan questions. But big weekend for Florida State against Louisville. Uh, until next week, for Brett Nevitt, I'm Mario Masuti, and you were listening to Sunday Golds. <laughs>